Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. Hey guys, it's Hannah. Have you ever considered yourself a needy person? Well, you should. On today's episode, Josh and I touch upon a handful of human needs ranging from food and water to compassion and trust and all sorts of shades in between. Stick around because at the end of this episode, I have a short gift of breathwork for all of our listeners. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. I'm excited to dive in because I feel as we are shifting into fall, Josh and I were just discussing the weather, but, and it's a full moon today too. So I feel a lot of newness, new beginnings um, emerging. So I'm excited to see what Josh has in store for us today what sort of subjects are we talking about yeah this is cool so um this week i've had a lot of understanding new new awareness actually um there's a book that is called Nonviolent communication and it's written by marshall rosenberg and there's this crazy story about how it came into my life and maybe that's for another time, but it's really cool. Um, I do love how books tend to find us at the exact right time. And sometimes if you force a book like, Oh, I should read this and it doesn't feel right. And then a few months later, you're like, Oh, oh, I forgot about this. And then you read and it's like, well, this is why it had to wait because it's always so aligned. Yeah. It's like the curriculum, like the divine curriculum that, comes to us yeah it came into my life and we set it on the bookshelf and then all of a sudden it showed up on the coffee table like five months later and it was like time to read it Mm -hmm. so anyway this book is all about compassionate communication and so there's the idea that there are universal human needs that we all have and then there are feelings that indicate whether those needs are met or not. And so if I'm feeling frustration, I can actually look for what need is not being met in this moment. Or if I'm feeling joy, I could also look for what need is being met. So emotions are kind of like the breadcrumbs backwards to find Mm -hmm. the needs. And I was looking at these and I was trying to fall asleep last night. And this metaphor. Love the metaphors. Yeah, it landed in me. And so um, there's, I think, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven groupings of needs that the nvc model has and it's connection physical well-being honesty play peace autonomy and meaning and then inside of those there there's like a dozen of like sub needs inside of those and So I was looking at this list and I was looking at coping styles and I was asking AI, what are a bunch of coping styles? And there are things like denial, projection, rationalization, uh, repression, um, intellectualization, minimize, withdraw, fantasy, isolating, disassociating, avoiding, humor, sarcasm, acting out, numbing, on and on and on. Like there's, there's a ton of coping, 
coping mechanisms. And I was thinking about this idea of coping mechanisms, meaning we needed to cope with something because there was something going on that we needed to cope with, that it wasn't ideal. And then the other phrase, other than coping, is defense, like defense mechanisms as well, right? And the idea that we needed to defend as a kid indicated there was something going on in our environment that needed defend, defended against, right? So not ideal from a childhood perspective. Very telling that those phrases coping and defense are being used, right? So I was looking at a bunch of these, really I was focused on sarcasm because for me, I was very sarcastic as a teenager, like to the point where I perfected it. And so I was looking at this defense mechanism of sarcasm from a place of what needs were trying to be met by me being sarcastic. Because there, there's a human reason we do the things we do. Instead of just saying, oh, that's my personality. Because once we say that, then, then we're like, we're done, right? There, there's no further investigation. But if I say, what's the reason underneath that coping mechanism or behavior, then I started to look at these um, needs, this list of needs. And I was like, what, what was I trying to get by being sarcastic? And mm. there was a, I'm just looking at this list and there was like a sense of belonging. I felt like if I could be sarcastic and have somebody laugh, then I, I would somehow in a, in a, in authentic way, I would hook on to that person for a moment, but then I would need to do it again. I would continue to need to be funny. And so the metaphor last night, laying in bed, and I was just thinking about if, I don't know, if there's 60, let's say there's 64 needs on this list, and they say it's not all inclusive, but here's a pretty good list. And let's say as children, our parents, actually our grandparents were aware of six of these needs. Because honestly, that's probably what they were aware of. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not putting them down. It's just that's the culture they grew up in. And so if they had maybe 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 it's less maybe, let's say it's three and let's say mom grandma had three grandpa had three and let's say two of them were the same so maybe there's five five total mm -hmm. okay that my dad grew up with this understanding of five of these needs being met and it could be like sleep food shelter water air air is one of them okay so so that's kind of five mm -hmm. very physical well-being focused nothing about connection nothing about belonging or communication or closeness or um creativity or celebration of life or authenticity or integrity or learning or mourning or purpose right and so mm -hmm. let's say they there's this and i and i saw like this crayola um like the 64 count yeah, crayon crayons crayons <laughs> and there's 64 in this box but grandma pulled five out and said we don't need the rest of these mm -hmm. Set these aside. We just have these five. Okay. So mom, my, my parents grew up with these five coloring or yeah. Crayons. Yeah. And then, then I come along. They only know about five. Meanwhile, 
I needed all these things just like they needed all those things. So they developed coping styles when closeness wasn't provided. They needed to create a, a coping style for that. And so now as I'm looking at my behavior and I'm looking at what need if I had that coping style wouldn't have needed to be developed, I would have just experienced the need itself. And then suddenly I have this new crayon, this, you know, I'm, I'm gathering new crayons now. And now I'm hanging out with 16 and I'm like, whoa, 16's pretty nice. I wonder if I can gather and experience 20. And then once I have 20, you know, and I just keep building on, and I get to color life differently. The, the coloring book of life is different when I have, when I only have five versus 64 of mm -hmm. these crayon needs. And that's great too. That metaphor for like, let's say you have all 64, you've, you know, done all the work and you know, all the needs that you need to be met, but people around you who still only have five to 10 crayons, they're like, wow, he's really colorful. <laughs> I can't see those colors. Right. So when we set boundaries and ask for our needs, whether we're setting up or asking to have things come to us, where some people just don't get that. Some people don't understand that. And, and not as, only, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to, you know, when we're talking generational, like you said, like there's nothing wrong with how our grandparents lived their life. They're coming out of the Great Depression and those were, that's all that they thought they needed. And absolutely, that's if we were in the same boat, I'm sure we'd be the same. Mm -hmm. And what I was going to say was not only can they not see the colors, but they may experience emotions when they witness us experiencing these needs and by those emotions they can then look at this list and say oh why am i feeling jealous or angry oh it's because i need that too <clears throat> so i like that it, it's kind of like a a model or an exercise where we we talked about last week um, going down and, and sitting with the grief and the sadness and the anger we can take it one one step further with the grief it's not just feel it but it's what did i need why am i grieving what what's missing what what was missing mm-hmm and I like how you said it might not like people think, oh, well, he's just a grumpy person or something like that. That's just one of the seven dwarfs. Like he's just grumpy. That's how that person is, for instance. But there's a need not being met that he's some, having some sort of grief. That dwarf, <laughs> it's no way grumpy needs a little bit of some sort of need. It's a different crayon in his mm -hmm in his um, pencil case. So with like some of these, I, I don't even know what it would feel like to experience the need. It, it, it feels like I've never had that crayon in my hand before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th this is a long list. Are, um, are you able to share your screen for the people that are watching? And then other than that, we can just name some. Yeah. Some of these are good. Like you said, like I wouldn't even think I, about it. I think what I'll do is when I edit the video, I'll put it like right up here. Perfect. So that they can see it. And then I'll link to it in the show notes as well. Okay, cool.
But yeah, read read some off that are standing out for you. Um, choice, um, harmony, inclusion, community, to know and be known, to see and be seen, to understand and be understood. Those are huge. Um, clarity, need for challenge. Mm. I feel like that one is not met in our society and that's why so many people find it easier to numb out because we're not challenging ourselves in the right way in a expanding way closeness stability is a good one respect and self-respect and i can see different coping styles there, you know, with one need, there can be a few different coping styles associated with de- associated with it, depending on what uh, how the person has experienced life. So, with I find the coping style of being sarcastic very interesting because I feel like it's if I rewind and try to think of once the first time someone said, "Oh, they're being sarcastic." Like I was probably gullible to something. I was like, wow, that person's being serious. It's like, no, Hannah, they're sarcastic. And then, so being like, well, why would that's confusing? So, but then going through life, like I'd say 75% of the people I meet are sarcastic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody gets sarcasm usually at this point, because we're all experiencing that same coping style. Yeah. So when you when you dug into that, did you notice any needs specific to to that coping style? Oh, my gosh, I had so much hurt. And what I got really good at was and I didn't know I was doing it until I started healing. But I would do like a a dig to someone's face under the guise of humor. And so it felt like I was using like a dagger or an ice pick to like hurt somebody, but then glaze over it and say, oh, I was just being funny, but Mm -hmm. it was hurtful stuff, but it was because I had so much hurt inside of me and I didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Then you might see one person makes a joke and a group of people gravitate toward them because they're funny and people like to laugh. So then you're like, oh, I could be funny too. So that maybe I can be seen more, be respected more. Yeah. And it was crazy because I wanted to be seen, but I also had so many walls up that wouldn't allow myself to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so it was the, these coping styles are like layered protection and if you if someone gets past one if the hurt is big enough that there's going to be another another wall Mm -hmm. how what do you think the first steps are to letting a guard down letting a wall down like that so i've thought a lot about this And I know, I don't know if it's the first step, but it's a big one, is judgment. And we can hear it in how we judge others. If we're judging others in whatever way, we we have to know that that judgment is also inside of us. And there's no compassion there. There's no safety in which somebody could even look within because as soon as that heart gets open, the judgment's there to hurt it again. Mm-hmm. So really paying attention for me is, is in what ways am I judging others? Because I know that that's going on inside me. Mm-hmm. And I experienced that only because, so when I went on that hike through Spain, we read um, a book beforehand it was a group of us a, a semester abroad a whole 10 10 students and we had some pre-reading to do and we read um, a biography of somebody that did walk this trail beforehand and 
one of his big things is he was walking alongside this woman and he just couldn't stand her and every he every little hostel he'd stop at and she, there she would be and he'd be so annoyed and in this case you're you know you're with yourself walking for most of the day so you have time to think and he realized that that she's she does things that i hate of myself and so then i started to become aware of that especially when i was doing this this hike and i was like i'm not like that you know <laughs> and then i remember i forget somebody i met was bothering me i was like well there's nothing that there's no similarities between me and this person whatever the instance was and then i was slowly reflecting on it and it's like shoot <laughs> that's me I'm judging myself through that person and so I think it takes takes some huge awareness in order to to be open to that and there's also this other great book that just came to mind um by uh Gabby Bernstein it's called The Judgment Detox Mm. and actually I think that's what led me to that book uh, because I was like wow I am like I'm I judge other people and because I judge myself. So it was all about first noticing who you're judging and then it's the same thing, noticing what those aspects that you hold for yourself too. Um, But the book required a lot of writing and I quickly gave up. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like work. (laughs) Work that is full of shame because you realize that, wow, I am so judgy. (laughs) yeah that is it's a it's a huge realization when you start to notice that in other people and from that comes so much compassion but you do have to drop that wall down of like shit like i do that Mm. and then as soon as that wall starts to come down you can have compassion for yourself and therefore the other person that you saw yourself in and I, I think it's interesting. I just wanted to, what you mentioned about reading the book and then setting it aside as soon as it got tricky. Yeah. That I think, I feel like that's part of the journey. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, it's taking in all of this information and it's like, Ooh, but it's also another coping style. Like all this awareness, it's like, okay. Yeah, I know all about that. I know all about judging, mm-hmm. but it's it's coming back around for like round two where it's, and that's kind of where I find myself today is for like six, seven years, I was just taking all this information in on how to become aware, but I wouldn't do any of the journaling a little bit, but I feel like once you get to the place where journaling is okay, that's an indication that there's enough safety inside of you. And to that point, this idea of fixing ourselves or, you know, nobody wants to be fixed. And when we're, when I'm doing this work now, it's not to fix me. It's instead it's, discovering ways that I can love myself differently. That feels so much different than, than fixing, but it, I like the, the way I'm going about it could look very similar to when I was trying to fix myself. Cause there was a time when that was a focus. Mm-hmm. Cause once you, I saw something recently that once you start on a healing journey and then sometimes it gets obsessive and people that suffer from perfectionism, that's another form of it. Mm-hmm. It's trying to heal yourself completely and fix yourself completely, but it's never ending. There's always layers and deeper love, deeper compassion for yourself and everybody else. Yeah, that is, there's a balance there because perfectionism is a coping style, coping mechanism. 
to keep us from whatever putting ourselves out there or and so we want to do the work it that's the up and the down right it's the down go find some healing and then go up bring it out into the world and and just allow that to ripple out of you and then it's like the whole consciousness of the community rises when we do that mm -hmm. right that's you know instead of because i used to be in a place of all these people need to change and not, you know there's so many rude people in the world and i used to because i used to work retail that was very in my face that everyone's too stressed and they all need to take a chill pill and everything until when you start focusing on making on doing work for yourself suddenly you view that all differently and stop blaming other people for for their coping styles because eventually it's contagious when you're in a high vibration and people are like, how did they get there? <laughs> or when you trigger someone, it's a gift for them to be like, wait, like just to, you know, it's just a little pebble, another little pebble that you're placing that they can follow or crumb rather. So yeah, doing your work helps everybody else in the long run. Mm -hmm. Not always a quick fix. So I want to pivot just a little bit from like this mental understanding to more of a somatic perspective. And so I was revisiting some of Luis Mojica. He's the holistic life navigation guy. So amazing. Um, he has a podcast and Instagram stuff that's just really life-changing. But I was listening to some of his, he calls them drop-ins. They're like 15-minute audio files that he just has you drop into your body and experience what's going on. And the one I was listening to was around money. And he he said, even just mentioning the word money, notice how your body responds. And he he calls it, it might brace. Like brace is kind of a, is it a freeze? Yes. Yeah. Like brace yourself. Yeah. And so could it could go to like anxiety um, and different people had different responses on where it showed up in the body. And so I was thinking about that, that just the thought of money, my body reacts. Right. And so I was, I was thinking about that from some of these needs as well. I specifically around love. I was thinking about, well, and this is the uh, the the heart guy on Instagram. I, I told you about his. So he is offering his love and codependency course. It used to be three thousand. Now it's for free. And I watched that first video. Okay, yeah. And so I started doing the exercises, and it blew me away. The amount of awareness his journaling prompts gave me. And so his, one of his questions is how do you view public displays of affection? Oh, yeah. How do you feel it? What comes up? Are you angry or jealous? Um, and so I was checking in with my body kind of like the money thing, but it was around somebody showing affection in front of me and I could feel bracing. It, it was like uncomfortable. And then I was like, okay, what's going on then there? Why is my body uncomfortable around that? 
Um, and there's like shame there. There's, there's like embarrassment. Uh, I experienced the same thing when okay. I was thinking of that question. Okay. And I thought about movies and how like if there's some sort of like intimate scene on a movie, like I instantly am like, are my parents watching behind me? Like <laughs> I, I get that same. So I was feeling into that too. And I was trying to identify and all everything you mentioned, that's what I was feeling too. The huh. shame, the embarrassment, just, yeah. Embarrassment mostly. And that's one of the needs on this list, affection. And I have in the past with my partner shown affection in front of people. And you you hear the sarcastic comments. Get, get a room. room. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's like, it's so crazy how it's all intertwined. The sarcasm, the embarrassment, their bodies are reacting. But we don't know that this is going on inside of us. Mm -hmm. And if we're feeling shame or not feeling shame, shame is present, but we're not going in it, into it mm -hmm. to release it. It, it just perpetuates it. Mm -hmm. And the coping style is that sarcastic remark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you tied that all together. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, we could we could do it with anything. So mm -hmm. is there some other experience, even um, not like a negative thing, just like that we could play around with something at the yeah. farm? Yeah, well, actually, my farm peeps are the my most supportive listeners. Okay. okay. <laughs> They're like, we listened to your podcast while we were cutting onions. I'm like, what? <laughs> I love that. Um, well, so I my I have an experience that was felt somatically yesterday because I had this amazing um, massage therapy, and so yeah, lately for me I've just been it's been my whole life where I'm I can I push people away when I get really close to somebody I sometimes think I'm subconsciously pushing them away. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I reflected back to, okay, my first friend that I ever had in like preschool moved out actually to Utah. Mm. <laughs> Maybe she's your neighbor. <laughs> um, and then I was thinking of, I've had like so many little groups of friends or like, I remember first grade, I had this friend, second grade, I had another friend. And I'm like, why didn't, why was none of that you know, why didn't a one friendship continue on through a bunch of grades? I have one friend that through different times of our life, we've come apart and always come back together. Um, but for the most part, I just don't get that close to people. Hmm. I'm close. Like I have a lot of close friends, but there's still like this like arm's length that I, that I keep away. And I am known to cancel plans or I rather just be at home in the comfort of my house. And so I, but then I feel shame about that because if people are like, well, why are like, what do you mean you're not doing this? What do you mean you're going to cancel or why do you want to stay home? Like I just, so then I feel a little misunderstood mm. that I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just have I must have like some weird social anxiety some sort of thing I love to go out with when I when I want to when I'm feeling in the mood it actually kind of goes along with my human design um Karen told me that um I'm on this wave I think we all are but when I'm on a low wave I don't want to be around people and I shouldn't be making decisions making plans because it's just not um for my design it's not aligned so anyway I was really reflecting on this all weekend and I had, it just kind of came through to me. I was like, I should reach out to this, this one woman who actually I'd love to have her on the podcast too. Um, she does this, it's called a cranial sacral massage. And she even has a hard time 
convincing people that it's so well needed for anybody. So what it is, because I think people are so, you feel very vulnerable. I felt vulnerable a lot of the time, but in a good way, it was like, I felt safe around her to be vulnerable Mm. because what happens is she does a little bit to your massaging your head. It's mostly just like kind of holding your head in certain um, points, but then she massages your belly. Like she would like on your back, like it's, it's, there's pressure. um, And it's very focused just on your belly. And Mm. she even specifically said that she prefers working on women because, but they're the hardest to get to sign up for something like this because our bellies in a somatic sense, we're always like, we don't want people touching our bellies. (laughs) You know, that's, that can be a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not usually women's favorite part about them, Hmm. you know? So I even mentioned this to my mom and she was like, I would never (laughs) want someone touching my belly. And so I felt that way. I'm holding my belly right now, but um, I felt that way as she's massaging, like there's so much vulnerability there. And, but as you care for it, as you're giving it the attention that it needs, you're, you gain your power back. Like Mm. she was able to really talk me through stuff after the massage about, because I I just have a hard time saying no to people as a people pleaser. Um, but that's what, that's where it gets held in the most is all those times that we said yes, when we meant to say no, or said no, and then got a bunch of shame for doing so. We hold all of that in our belly. And so it was really interesting to feel that release somatically and not through my mind I did not think my way out of that it was all I just feel so good since yesterday I was like a big release but it's I even she was like asking me how I felt and I was like I'm having a hard time putting words to this and she's like yeah because it's all on a somatic level what was the experience of the release like how did you just today, it was just last night and today, I just felt very light and more in my power. Mm. Okay, so there wasn't like a moment of a whoosh or a... No, not really. But I, because I felt the vulnerability come up. And then I felt I was like, I, I know I feel safe with her. We've done some work in the past. And mm. I was just like, I'm being held by this amazing woman who knows exactly what she's doing. And I just let it all happen. And I think right at that point, there was a big let go of like, wow. okay, she's, she's doing something here. And I've have, um, mentioned it on this podcast plenty of times. I have a history of really bad gut issues and my belly has been very happy for the last 24 hours it's a really really cool experience and she i would love to have her on the podcast because she's into all this um tantra stuff and she just on a whole nother level of just talking like we're saying words that make you tense up <laughs> like wait what and i always say i'm like i want to learn more i want to learn more but i need to ease myself into this saying words <laughs> she does like she was saying um we were, I was talking about a certain date and she's like oh no I'm going to a tantra um tantra party or tantra summit she's like we're all going to be naked dancing I'm like wow like uh-huh. I would love to be able to feel that confident and that comfortable in my skin and so she's she is so amazing wow. really really enjoy learning from her yeah, that that's next level. Yeah, that's and I and because as we do the work, you know, there is that ego that comes in, like we were just talking about. There's no end game, but at certain points, we're like, "Well, I feel perfectly great." But every time I talk to like somebody like her or somebody in that realm of things, I'm like, "Oh, there's so much more for me to learn, <laughs> so much more for me to experience." Um. So yeah, it was. It was great. Great experience. Lots to, lot to dive in there. So I want to have her on because she is amazing. 
Yeah, the freedom is a need. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing, she has a, a level of freedom that I don't have. Mm-hmm. That there's there's a guard. I guess anytime there's a guard up, there's some reason, right? Mm-hmm. Inside me that I don't feel free to do that yet. Mm-hmm. But with all of the deepening of our awareness that we've been doing, it's a yet. It's a that's to come. I will get there. So she probably has access to the the bucket of the crayons that is she like has the hundred and four yeah, huge yeah. monster pack. Yeah. <laughs> and you can feel it with like her presence is so like, wow, she gets all of the crayons. <laughs> but I'm sure there's another level. Yeah. So she she has the monster pack, and I'm sure there's another level. Yeah, she has the glow up markers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we talked a lot because she, because she this is exactly what I mentioned earlier when she has more crayons than we can even fathom yet. Mm. People get get that feeling of tension when she that if she says something people are like wait what yeah she like clutching their pearls like what? but when she, when she mentioned that to me i'm like what a gift you're giving to them what a gift you're giving to those people that that whatever you're saying sounds terrifying but maybe if it's not it's not you that gets to work on them or anything but you've planted that tiny little seed for you know, the next person that says something that makes them uncomfortable and then another person, and then maybe by the fifth time they feel uncomfortable, they'll be like, you know what? I'll give that a try. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's magical. I feel very blessed to be held in her magic yesterday. So she even was... wears a, she even wears a necklace. That's just a woman's body. <laughs> it's amazing. Huh. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about when I was talking about the five crayons and mm -hmm. that if somebody that only has five sees somebody else that has access to 32 or 64 or whatever, they feel certain things inside them, feelings or somatically. And it's an indication that there's a need not being met. And then I got to experience that as you were talking about her. That I'm like, ooh, the monster pack. And I can feel like this tightness and this discomfort and this, like, let's change the subject. And I was like, oh, but it actually, there's some freedom there that she's experiencing. And other needs, I'm sure I could look at this list, like a level of, like there's a, a comfort with her own body. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of belonging. Belonging is another one that those people dancing naked, mm -hmm. that there, there's just a, a level that I don't understand because right now I'm seeing it from my, I don't know, I have like 16 crayons or something. I'm like, you you can't color what she's describing with the crayons I have. Mm-hmm. It's true. And if you suddenly went from five to 104, it would be like, oh my God, what do I do? You probably have a nervous breakdown. So I think the titration of learning a few at a time to get yourself into that, you know, what mm. do they call it? The monster pack of crayons. That's the way. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Well, and it took courage by you 
to go to that appointment too, right? Or was I, I, it felt like, I felt a huge calling to her. Okay. Um, but I, I have a, a friend who had signed up. I don't even know if she ended up going, but she reached out to me. She was, she was nervous to go. I don't even know if she ended up doing it. Mm. Um, but she's, you know, she's, um, I think she's my mom's age and, um, she's had a lot. She's gone through a similar health journey that I have. And so our bellies are, we have trauma there. Mm. And so, you know, whoever, however, she said she didn't feel comfortable yet. Um, yeah, there's, it takes, it's expanding that package of crayons takes some courage. So I was on a breath work uh, session yesterday where I was breathing. And this is with Josh Connolly, who's a British guy. And he had close to 200 people in that Zoom call. And he likes to, at the beginning, just ask, is this your first time? And there were, I don't know how many it, you know, you see all the first timers and he's reading them and he's like, whoa, there's, there's a lot of first timers. And so maybe 75% is a guess there, there was a lot. And then, so he goes over what to expect. He spent like 10 minutes going over what to expect. And he, I was a little nervous <laughs> and I've breathed, you know, hundreds of times but the way he described it i was like whoa this guy does <laughs> seem scary and people were like man i, d I don't know if i want to do this anymore i'm kind of nervous and he because i've i've been on other calls with him and he didn't go none of them i don't know what it was about yesterday that was just like a little i don't know he's like you might experience this and you're you're <laughs> body might twist and turn and you might end up, you know, crying or yelling and which is all true, but just mm -hmm. the way he described it. But what um, I was thinking about, so there was one guy that was like, I don't know if I'm going to do it. And I commented on his comment and I said, you got this. Um, you won't regret it. You know, it, you'll get through it and you'll love it and something like that. And um, because it's like the, the idea of the safety zone and then the comfort zone. And he was like, am I safe? He didn't know if he was safe once he knew he was safe and he just was uncomfortable and that's you too. And I, and I'm thinking about like this titration idea that, that you brought up of what other things can give me access what other experiences can give me access to other crayons that I didn't even know was a thing. Mm -hmm. And instead of immediately rejecting it, just saying, am I safe? I know I'm uncomfortable. I already know I'm wanting to run away, but am I safe? It's Will I live through this? Things. And being uncomfortable and being unsafe, two different things. Mm -hmm. Well, think of, like the first time I did breath work, I, the same thing. I was felt very called to do it, but it's totally scared. Like, and then it's, you know, you could get tingly in this. And the first time I experienced, I had like the whole body tingles, like my mouth got stuck <laughs> for a while. And so knowing that, you know, it's, it's like, jumping into a pool from like the small diving board and like you had so much fear to jump off of that small diving board at one point and jumping off of the taller diving board you're still safe to do so but it's scarier because you're higher than you already did what you did before but you're gonna do it mm. and I mean I'm sure some people skip and jump all the way from the tall diving board and don't go to the small one there are people like that but usually people try out something little and then they try more and then more and more and so 
I, I would think, you know, with going to the extreme of dancing around a fire naked would instantly be like, Oh, I don't know if I can do that, but there's a titration to it. I also didn't think I was gonna, I don't know, quit my job and work at a farm. And Mm -hmm. there's all these little things that we do that make us more comfortable, more confident to keep doing it and keep exploring and keep experiencing, keep getting new colors in our crayon box. Well, and I, I think it's very common when we think about stepping outside of our comfort zone, it's in an outside world, go experience, you know, skydiving or stand up on a stage or whatever it is. It's an activity. But when I'm looking at some of these that are in the, the like intimacy. Well, even sexual expression. Yeah. You you know, pleasure is on here, self-expression. And, and some of those are, I mean, that that's an inward like this idea of nurturing or belonging. Even nurturing makes me scared. Hmm. I'm like, that puts a lot of pressure on me. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. The uh, physical reaction that we can have just from a word. Yeah. That's good. Trust is a huge one. It's like the shortest word on here, but it's the biggest. Well, and then love is on here, right? And I was doing that homework from the heart guy. And he says we have like a love story. Yeah. And for those that haven't done much inner work, You can have a money story and this is like how money shows up in our life it's based on whether money is hard to get or money growth doesn't grow on trees or it takes a long time to make money or money comes and goes as soon as i make a bunch i lose it all Mm -hmm. we have a money story we also have a love story so i was writing that down i was astonished at what is inside me when it comes to love and how it has played out in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I could probably do one of those awareness exercises for all of these. Mm -hmm. Your acceptance story, your safety Mm -hmm. story, your belonging story. And when you said that you keep people at arm's distance, it's one of those. It's it's one mm-hmm. of these stories. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing. That's what my intention is with that um, that call that you were that you sent me that workshop the mm. free one. And who knows what I will learn from it? But that's my intention of friendship, love, and why. I put up these walls. We will figure it out. Great discussion. Yeah. Just like I'm going to jump off of the diving board. We'll find out. (laughs) Do it. Okay. So to wrap up our episode today, we are going to just do about two minutes of breath work as a gift to our listeners. So I'm going to start some music in a minute, but we are going to just do some halo active breaths, which is simply in through the nose and out through the mouth with a little bit of force. So it sounds like this. Before we begin, I invite you to, if you're not driving, shut down your eyes. Find yourself in a comfortable seated position. Just take a few cleansing breaths, allowing you to land here. 
Just begin to call your energy back from any people or places where it's been. Knowing that you can make that command. You can call your energy back to you. All yours. Feeling yourself filling up and arriving right here in this moment. And when you are ready, we'll begin our halo active breath, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Here we go. Creating the pace that feels just right for you. Welcoming all parts of you. All parts of this person that you get to be. more breaths here, making them count. Seal the deal. We'll take one deep breath in through the nose and hold your breath at the top. Holding here. Seeing what you're capable of. Feeling that energy that's yours. And only when you're ready, taking a big sigh out, letting go of anything that's not yours. Beautiful job shaking out your hands, rolling your shoulders around, welcoming any stretches that feel good. Letting your eyes flutter open ever so softly, feeling complete. Thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community 
Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now, and see you in the next episode.